10 through 15, this is the story of Moses and the burning bush. Perhaps you are familiar with this story, but, but maybe you are not. I would encourage you to read the chapter surrounding this to see how God is working in this time and, and what's going on. We're going to take just a, a snippet out of that this morning. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so right there toward the front, and we'll be right toward the beginning of it. Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Let's pray, and then we will get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with me as I preach and teach today, God, that I would do a good job for you. God, I cannot do it without you. God, you call me to this, and I pray that you be with me through it, as I know you will. And God, take away pride or fear in my life. God, I pray that you just help everybody to be focused on Jesus Christ today. I pray that you help all of us, God, to clear our minds and clear our hearts of the thoughts and the worries of the world, dear Lord, that we will not be distracted in these few minutes. God, we're here, so let us listen to you. Let us not think about what we're going to do when we leave. It's easy for our mind to wander, but I pray that you keep us, keep us focused on you. May everything here today, God, be for your glory. May you bless the reading of your word, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the beginning of Exodus 3, God appears to Moses in a burning bush, and, and the problem that has arisen at this point in the story is that God's people, due to a famine, had ended up in Egypt. Now, that's making a long story short. The story that got them there is actually a fantastic story that we will not cover today, but go back and read toward the end of Genesis, the last 15 chapters or so, and you can see what got us here. God's people ended up in Egypt, and they began to, to really multiply and grow, and the Egyptians saw that that was going to be a problem. These, these Israelite people living in their land, these, these Jewish people living in their land, and so they became enslaved. And things were not good for God's people. They were enslaved in a foreign land, but God did not desire to leave them there. We see in the verses before this that God heard their cries and he saw their situation. Now this is good for us to remember. Because in the case of the, uh, of the Israelites here, they had been enslaved for quite some time. And it's easy for us when we go through a long season of hardship to wonder, does God hear us? Does God see what we're going through? But indeed he does. He saw his people's affliction and their oppression. He heard them and he had a plan. He was going to rescue his people. But in rescuing his people... God chose to use Moses. Now, this is significant for us to, to consider. God is all-powerful. God can do all things. And in all things that God does, and sometimes in miraculous ways, he almost always chooses to use people to help carry out the plans that he has. So even though it's God's power and it's God who's doing the rescuing, it is through Moses that God wants to accomplish and fulfill things in the way that he desires to see them fulfilled in the deliverance of his people. And so with all of this being said, it gets us to where we are in the text today. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So God calls Moses to a big task. Moses had fled from Egypt. He had been gone for quite some time. And now God says, 
All right, Moses, I want you to go back into Egypt, and I want you to go to my people, and I want you to lead them out. And Moses said, who am I to do this? Who am I to take on such a task? Now, this is a good question for us to ask. This question helps keep us humble, helps show that we are humble. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with having some confidence, but but a lot of things that we are up against in life, maybe a lot of things that God calls us to, we look at the task before us and we say, God, I can't do that. I could never do that. Who am I, God, that you would call on me? I don't, I don't have the, the strength. I don't have the, the smarts. I don't have the ability. I don't have the skill, God, to do what you're calling me to do. And if we're honest, we may say, God, I'm, I'm a little afraid to do it. God, I really just don't want to do it. It's amazing how God, though, can, can really be with us and help us to do things that are out of our comfort zone. I remember years ago, I was reading a book or listening to something, and, and it was a missionary, and they were talking about being a missionary and going to you know poor places and the stuff that they had to go through and the stuff that they had to endure. And I said, man, I could never do that. I could never go to a place like that. And it wasn't probably a year later that we got the opportunity to go to Haiti and we went to a place, now albeit, we had it pretty good while we were there. We, we were certainly not in the worst or the worst place, but we get to this place and things were dirty and we didn't really have much electricity. It was in and out and, you know, the food we ate there, while it was great, it was far better than what most people eat. It was, it was different and there wasn't no escaping, there wasn't no air conditioning and, and it was pretty tough by American standards. But yet, even through it all, through the hot days, Coincidentally and oddly enough, it only took about three days to get used to a cold shower and 100 degrees every day. You kind of get used to it quick. You can try it this week if you want. Turn your air off, take a shower with cold water. No, we don't want to do that, right? It's out of our comfort zone. And sometimes we think, man, I'm glad that God calls other people to do those things because I couldn't do it. But let me tell you something. Sometimes God may call you to do things like that. And you may not can do it on your own because who are you to be able to do these big things that God calls? Well, you are somebody that God wants to use, and that's the difference maker. When you say, God, I'm not capable, that's a great place to start. When we say, God, I can't do that, praise the Lord. Because that calls us to be dependent on God. Because if we go into things and we think, I can do anything, God, you give it to me, I'm going to go out there, we begin to trust in ourselves. But when we have that attitude similar to what Moses had, and we say, God, who am I to do this? Then we have to say, God, you're going to have to help me. Because I don't know if I'm physically able. I don't know if I've got the skills. God, I don't, I don't know if I can communicate well enough to do what you're calling me to do. But if we have that attitude, say, who am I? That's a good place for us to be. So Moses doesn't appear to be really eager and jumping and chomping at the bit to go and do this, as we see throughout the story. But nonetheless, that is who God called. And when God calls somebody, that's who God desires to see do his work. Now, sure, maybe Moses would have said, no way. Well, God would have called another. But wouldn't it be better for us to do what God calls us to and God not to have to call another? I mean, maybe God calls us to some things, and he says, I want you to do this, and you say, no way. Well, that doesn't mean that God's plan doesn't get accomplished. He may just move on to the next man or woman. But wouldn't it be better if God didn't have to move on because of our disobedience, but God says, I want you to do, and you say, God, I don't have the strength to do it, but you call me, so I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do it. So God said, I've got a plan. I'm going to rescue my people. Oh, and by the way, Moses, I'm sending you down to Pharaoh to take care of all this. Big responsibilities God calls us to. But if he calls us to it, brothers and sisters, 
He will be with us throughout the process. Continuing on, verse 12. He answered, I certainly, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. So God tells Moses, look, I will be with you. That's good. That's reassuring. When we are going through a tough time, when we're seeking to do something that's out of our comfort zone, it is good for us to know that God is with us. You need to know that today. God will be with you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you to fend for yourself. We cannot do it. We can't do the things God calls us to. So He is with us. Even when we may not think it, we may not feel like it, we may not realize it, God is with us. We, we know through his word that God will be with those who are his children. And he reminds Moses of this. Okay, I will be with you. And Moses said, okay, I'm going to go down here to, to Egypt and I'm going to tell them I'm sent. Who do I tell them sent me? Who am I supposed to say I'm coming in the name of? What am I supposed to say? And God says something that's it's really, really interesting and kind of sounds strange in some sense. God told Moses, he said, I am who I am. You are to tell him that I am has sent you. That's a, that's a strange thing for God to say. Like, oh, why didn't he just say, God, your God has, 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 has sent Moses to you? But he didn't. He said, I am who I am. Now, a good question for us to ask is, who am I, as Moses did? But a, a, a better fact for us to consider and remember and recognize is who God is. God is I am. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think that maybe that means that God is everything. If you say of God, I am, what comes after that? Everything that is good comes after that. If we ask the question, who am I? We could follow that up with everything that is bad. Who am I? I am a liar. I am a thief. I am an adulterer. I am a drunkard. I am all of these things, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on, and we see lists of all these sinful things in the Scripture. That's who we are. So if we ask the question, who am I, the short answer would be, I am a wretched sinner, as we sometimes see people refer to themselves in the Scripture. That is who we are, but who is God? Well, if we are a wretched sinner, if we are what is evil, then who is God? God is everything that we are not. Praise the Lord. That is good. God is everything that we are not because everything that we are is sinful. We, we, we are sinful. But God, praise the Lord, is everything that we are not. So when we speak of God and we say God is the I am, He is the I am that we need because He is everything that we need. He has done everything. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. God is the great I am. So if we look at God and we want to say, well, if we're going to say of God, I am what? What do we say of God? I am what? Well, we have quite a few passages in the New Testament, and particularly we'll look at the book of John today. 
And Jesus used the phrase, I am quite frequently in his ministry. Now, this could have just been a coincidence that Jesus chose to use this phrase. But I believe that Jesus may have spoken these I am's because of verses like these. That no doubt the people that Jesus was preaching to and teaching to, the Jewish people, they knew God's word very well. And particularly the words of Moses. They knew the story of Moses very well. They would have knew the words of God. And God is the I am. And I believe that when Jesus spoke in the way that he spoke, and he said the word, I am a lot, I believe that Jesus was trying to help the people realize, look, he is God. He is the Son of God. He is the one that you have been looking for. He is the one that you have been seeking. He is the one you need to follow. We see something similar uh, with Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 uh, and 18. It says, And he was setting out on a journey, that is Jesus, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? And Jesus responded then, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. Now, that's an interesting passage for us to consider. This guy ran up to Jesus and called him good, and Jesus says no one is good but God. So there's either one of two things I think that Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, I am not good. Well, of course Jesus was good. He was perfect. Or he is saying, I am God. If this guy knows that only God is good, and he acknowledges and recognizes Jesus in good, I believe Jesus is very suddenly saying here, I am God. And so I think when Jesus uses these I am statements we are about to look at, I think that he may be trying to point the hearer back to this word in Exodus. Who is God? Well, we see the words of Jesus of who is God. Uh, if you want to look at John chapter 6, verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. We won't, we won't preach through and break down all of these passages. We'll just look at them and see kind of what they say. We can kind of get that from, from, from these verses uh, by themselves. But should any of these intrigue you, please do go back and, and study them more. Uh, afterwards. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. I am the bread of life. Man, that's good stuff. Jesus is what sustains us. Now, in the con well, I said I wasn't going to preach, and here I go preaching, but that's what preachers do. In the context of that passage, uh, they had been talking about Noah. They had been talking... Uh, um, Moses, they've been talking about the manna, and they've been talking about being fed in the wilderness. But Jesus goes one step further, and he says, Look, you want to talk about bread and being provided for? I am the bread of life. Eat from me, you'll never be hungry. Drink from me, you will never be thirsty. I am. I am what? I am the bread of life. That's the same bread that we need today, brothers and sisters. Uh, if you don't know Jesus uh, today, then then then. I want you to be a brother and sister in Christ. I want you to eat from that bread that only Jesus offers. He's not talking about physical bread. He's talking about spiritual bread. He's talking about what is life-sustaining. And what is life-sustaining? It is Jesus. We have life through Jesus. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. 
Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Here we have another I am. I am the light of the world. Now, when we see light in Scripture, it's good. It's of God. When we see darkness, it's often referring to sin. And so God does not want us to walk in the darkness. He wants us to walk in the light. So how do we see the darkness? How, how is the darkness exposed? It's exposed through Jesus Christ. He is the light, and Him is life. And so when we read God's Word, when we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's God revealing the light to us. It reveals the darkness to us and all that is in the darkness. And so Jesus says, I am the light. John chapter 10, verse 14. John chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. What a beautiful illustration here. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd takes care of the flock. Now, in the Old Testament, we sometimes see of those who are, who are over the people of Israel and they are referred to as bad shepherds because they didn't take care of God's people. They were evil. And so when Jesus comes along, he is a good shepherd, the shepherd that God's people needed, the shepherd that you and I today need. A good shepherd takes care of the flock, protects the flock, provides for the flock, and that is what Jesus did for us when he gave his life on the cross. He indeed is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he says. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Man, that's, that's good. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Now, what's our problem? We sin. What's the wages of sin? It's death. And so death is that consequence for our, consequence for our sin that, that we cannot escape. But yet Jesus, he conquered sin and he conquered death. And so what does Jesus tell us? He says, I am the resurrection. Now, not long after he spoke these words, he would be resurrected. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Even if someone dies in Jesus, he says they will live. Okay, so we'll, we'll die unless Jesus returns, but, but we'll die one day. And guess what? If we are in Jesus Christ, death will not be the end of us. It will not be the final say. We will have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. There is but one God. There's only one way to, to, to get to that God. And it is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now that's not, that's not what our world will tell us. Our world will tell us today that there may be all kind of spiritual beings and all kind of gods and all ways to get to gods and every religious path leads to the same way. No matter if you say you're a Christian or a Muslim or whatever you say you are, they all go to the same place and that is a lie. That is not true. There is one God and Father, and there is one way to the God and Father, and that is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And if you're taking another path, you are on a dead-end road. It's not going to lead anywhere but to your death. 
your eternal death and separation from God. And so we need to listen to the words of Jesus when he says, I am the way. If you're looking for your way in life and you may be saying, man, I've lost my way. Well, I want to tell you the way is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Another I am statement there of Jesus. A couple of more. John chapter 16, verse 5. John chapter 16, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Man, that's good right there. That's just what we saw with Moses. What could Moses have done without God? Could Moses have just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going down to Egypt and I am going to deliver these people out of Egypt. He couldn't have done it. He can only do it by the power of God. And so it is for us. We can't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. We cannot do anything on our own. We must trust in the Lord. We can do nothing without Him. What does He say? I am the vine and you are the branches. The one that remains in Jesus produces fruit. Alright? Jesus is the source of our life. We can't cut ourselves off from the source. And sometimes Christians do that. Sometimes, man, we... We begin to live for the world, and we begin to live in sin, and we quit seeking the Lord, and we quit seeking God's Word. Well, what are we doing? We're, 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 we're cutting ourselves off from the source of life, from our source of strength. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and we must remain in Him and not be pulled away from Him because there is no life apart from Him. So we want to be those who stay attached to the vine. Why? Because that's where our success comes from. That's where our ability to do what God calls us to in this world comes from. That's where our ability to, to uh, obtain eternal life comes from, through Jesus Christ. So today we want to be grafted in. If you're not connected to the vine in Jesus, God is calling you. He wants you to repent of your sins and, and be grafted into the vine to be a branch that produces godly fruit. Apart from Jesus, we produce evil fruit. We can't produce anything good, but through Jesus Christ, God can, can work good in us. Not because we are good, but because God is good. So God wants us to be grafted in and, and, and part and connected to Jesus and draw our strength and nutrients through Jesus so that we can live for Jesus. Mark 16.42, or excuse me, Mark 14.62 Mark 14, 62. This is not long before Jesus is going to be crucified and resurrected. And the people ask Jesus a simple question, Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am. Jesus says, I am. Now, I don't think that that was a coincidence that Jesus chose to use the words there, I am. I think he wanted the people to know. I think he wanted the people to think back to this story that we looked at in Exodus. Who is God? I am. I am all that there is. I am everything that is good. And so all of these occasions and others that you see in the New Testament, Jesus says I am, I believe are pointing us back to this passage that we see. One more passage. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is coming, the Almighty. God is everything. He has always been. He is eternal. And so when we look at that passage and, and God says to Moses, tell him, I am has sent you. And we say, I am what? Well, we see a good example of who God is in these passages. God is everything that we are not. 
And that's why Jesus Christ had to come. Because Jesus did all that we could not do. And so when we look at passages like these, and you're looking for God, and you're looking to see who God is, and you're trying to, you're trying to figure out all these things of the Scripture, if you want to know who God is, these I Am passages we looked at today are a good place to start. God is all-powerful. He's almighty. And God called Moses to do a mighty work. And perhaps God wants to call you to do a mighty work today. There's one thing that I can tell you that God's Word is calling you to today, and that is to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to find the way, the truth, and the life that comes only through Jesus, to be attached to that vine, to be a branch, to be grafted in. These are things that God words, God's Word wants from us today. He doesn't want us to live in sin. He wants us to repent of our sin. That's why Jesus Christ came, to be everything that we could not be. That's one thing I can tell you with certainty that God desires today is for every one of us to repent of our sins, to put our faith in God and live for Him. To say, God, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not worried about who I am, God. I'm going to praise you for who you are because who I am am a wretched sinner. But God, who you are is the all-powerful creator of the heavens and the earth who sent His one and only Son to die on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins God, forgive me of my sins. That's what God is calling you to today. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sins today. Trust Him. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you for something. Maybe you're out there today and you're already a child of God. You've already put your faith in Jesus Christ. But maybe God has called you to something in your life. And I don't know what it may be. It may be something really big. Maybe something really small. But you may be saying, God, who am I to do this? God, who am I to carry out this task? Well, if God is calling you to do that and you say, who am I to do it? I'll tell you who you are. You are the one that God has called, and that's enough. We need no other, we need no other reason. We need, we need nothing else other than to know that if God has placed something on our heart and called us to it, then we want to be faithful to do it. We want to say, God, here I am, send me. God, I am ready to go. God, I want to be used by you and know that if God has called you today, He will be with you just as He was with Moses. If you're in the midst of a struggle today, just as God heard the cries and saw the, the oppression of His people, God sees what you're going through today. He wants to help you get through it, and He may just want to, help, uh, want to use you to help others get through the things they're going through. God's miraculous. He does miraculous things. But many times, He chooses human beings to be part of His plan. He wants to choose you today to have faith in Jesus Christ. If you've got faith in Jesus Christ, He may want to use you today to do part of His work. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You. We thank You for Your good Word. God, we thank You for who we are. Dear Lord, I pray that You help us to always be aware of who we are. God, we are sinners in need of a Savior. Dear Lord, we, we, just, we sin a lot, a lot more than we want to. But God, we thank You for Your good words. We thank You for Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus is everything that we are not. God, we thank you for being good, even though we are bad. God, we thank you for your grace, even though we sin. God, I pray that if there is one in this room today that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today that they would know that he is the way, that they would repent, that they'd put their faith in Jesus, that they would ask for forgiveness, dear Lord, and that they would follow through with baptism. God, that they'd come let us know. Let me know, God, we'll fill this thing up with water today. And God, we'll, we'll set up a time we can get them baptized, dear Lord, just as your word commands. So God, I pray that if there's one that does not know Jesus today, that they wonder who you are, God, that they know all of those I am's that apply to you. 
and the goodness of, 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 of who you are, dear Lord, and, and of Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some here today and they are yours. And maybe we make excuses, dear Lord, of why we can't do what, what you want us to do. But God, help us not to be those who make excuses. Help us to be those who open our mind, open our heart, and say, God, all right, it's a scary thing. But if you call me to something, help me to be obedient and faithful to do it. So God, maybe there's something on somebody's heart and they already know what it is. God, I pray that you strengthen Let them feel your presence. Let them know that you're with them, dear Lord, that we can all be found faithful to do your work. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.